Timothy chapter number 6. Look with me in verse number 1 if you would. 1 Timothy chapter number 6 verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says this, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words whereof cometh envy, strife and railings and evil surmissings and perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. There we are again, man. I mean, we, we talked about this morning, avoid them, which essentially means to withdraw yourself from. And here we are again. He's saying these people that are proud, they don't nothing, they're doting and questions and bringing up envy and strife railings and all these things, pervert, uh, perverse disputings. He said, withdraw thyself. Verse number 6, but godliness with, godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Somebody give me a loud amen right there. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. I mean, that, that ought to be a charge that's preached in our churches of today. God's give you food and clothes and a, somewhere to live, we ought to shout. I mean that. We ought to. Verse 9, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now I want you to pay attention here in verse number 11, alright? Catch every word. Timothy's again writing, or Paul's writing to Timothy. He said, But thou, O man of God, Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patient, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto, uh, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. He said, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, strong meat tonight, what we've read. And Paul is telling Timothy, but I want to go to verse number 11. This is where... God has really just uh, centered my heart the last couple of days. And I want to read this again. Verse number 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, And of course the, the list goes on and the command goes on. But if the Lord will help me tonight, I want to preach on this thought. The man of God in relation to the church. There is a relation, or there should be a relation, between a man of God and the house of God, the people of God, the bride of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love You. Lord, we thank You for this opportunity to be here. Thank You, Lord, for 
Uh, God, what you've already done here today, God, and the liberty that you give us this morning, I thank you for that. Now, Lord, these are the days that really, uh, God, we don't we don't often appreciate like we should. These are the days that uh, God help us, Lord, to dig down and root a little deeper and hold on a little better, Lord. And uh, God, it's it's preaching like what we've had today, what we'll have tonight from Thy Word, not because it's me, but from Thy Word and the power of the Scriptures, Lord. It's that kind of preaching uh, that allow people to stand and stay and strive to succeed in the Christian life. Oh, God, how we need real churches and how we need real men of God, Lord. And I thank You, uh, God, to be a part of a place, Lord, where the work is real. And God, You've done all that, Lord. It's not in me. It's not in us. But God, it's all because of You. And we thank You for that. I pray God You'd bless and help tonight. Please, Lord, I can't do it without you. So please, dear Lord, help us tonight. And for what you do, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. By way of introduction, may I say it is here in our text where we find again the Apostle Paul is writing and he is writing, addressing Timothy as he endeavors uh, to be the pastor God has called him to be. The whole book of First Timothy is Paul Dealing with Timothy and charging him and admonishing him as a what you, what he calls as a son in the faith uh, to prepare him and help him in his future endeavors as a man of God and a pastor of a local church. Uh, may I say within our text, Paul is dealing greatly with the importance uh, of church order and he also hits and bumps pastoral authority. That is a cuss word in 2021. Pastoral authority. Now, I understand that that can be misused. It has been. I understand it can be abused. It has been. But I also want to uh, preach tonight and let you know that there is such a thing as pastoral authority. Uh, Not because I deserve it. Not because I've earned it. But it's the pattern of God. There's order. Listen to me. There's order to every Everything God does. Uh, nothing will He ever do, Brother Chris, out of order. God's not the author of confusion. And God's not the order of chaos. And uh, the God of chaos, He's the God of order. Uh, my friend, and here God is using Paul, the man of God, uh, to admonish, teach, and encourage, exhort, and really charge uh, the young man of God, Timothy, uh, concerning what lies ahead of him. As a man Matter of fact, uh, uh, we find that Paul goes a step further. And not only does he address Timothy as a pastor or a son in the faith, you'll find in other places, but Paul here refers to him as a man of God. In verse number 11, may I say this term, man of God, is found all throughout the Old Testament in relation uh, to men like Moses and men like Elijah and men like Elisha. And there's more, there's others. And are called a man of God. But uh, the phrase man of God in the New Testament is only found one time. Uh, That one time is right here where Paul calls Timothy a man of God. By the way, now listen to me. Paul is Timothy's mentor. Paul is Timothy's pastor. Paul is Timothy's leader. And Paul is Timothy's example. Yet here, Paul refers to Timothy 
the son under him in the faith as a man of God. I need you to hear me tonight. I want to say this. Age has nothing to do with a man being a man of God. For it is not earthly years that create a man of God, but rather it is the eternal affairs of a man between he and God that can create and build him and grow him into a man of God. May I say Timothy has been set apart by God as the man of God. And a big part of that is due to Timothy's willingness to learn and glean and obey the command and the order of his pastor who is the Apostle Paul, his man of God. Can I say tonight, as I begin to read throughout this portion of Scripture, the Lord begin to show me some things and begin to deal with my heart about what it means to be a man of God, but also what it means for the church to have a man of God. Both are greatly important. May I say I believe every real local church, New Testament local church, ought to have a real man of God. I, I, now listen to me now. There's people that go to church and they know that they know that their pastor or, or, or their speaker is what they are now. Uh, their, their pastor or their speaker, their self-motivator. They know. Ain't nobody got to tell them that he's not a man of God. If they've got any spiritual discernment at all, that's fairly easy to pick out. Uh, in my opinion, when a man is either a man of God or not. And so I believe every church ought to have a man of God. Some of y'all may be wondering, well, what is a man of God or how can I be a man of God I think Paul reveals both scenarios here and answers both questions in our text uh, in his letter to Timothy the man of God so if I could this evening for a few moments I want to preach on that thought the man of God in relation to the church the man of God in relation to the church number one I want you to see tonight number one the responsibility to the church or to the man of God from the church. The responsibility to the man of God from the church. Now, this 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 course goes both ways. May I say the core the church has a responsibility to the man of God, but it don't stop there. The man of God has a responsibility to the church. Amen. I know, listen, in this day and hour, it's no longer a call. It's no longer a, a position that God puts people in. Now it's claimed as a profession. I was just talking the other night. We was at Corbin Hospital. I think it was before Miss Megan's mother had passed away and I went up there. I think that's when it was. Or maybe not, but uh, anyhow, it was just the other day I was up there and I was telling somebody uh, how that I at one time uh, uh, tried to submit an application uh, to be a, to be a, uh, a chaplain there, a local chaplain there at the hospital, and and just stay there if they had shifts or not or whatever. I, I was looking into trying to, to do that, and uh, they called me. I I I sent some of them. They called me. And the first thing they asked was, uh, uh, "Well, what kind of documentation do you have?" 
have? I said, well, I've been ordained. I've got, you know, all that kind of thing. Well, what kind of school do you have? Or uh, educate? Now listen, I'm not against it. I've been talking about doing all some of that online just because I want to, not because I have to. Uh, but I said, well, I didn't go to seminary. I've, not, I've never been to seminary. Uh, well, well, I thought you were a pastor. I said, I am a pastor. But you didn't go to seminary. I said, no, I didn't. I didn't go to seminary. I mean, I was confused as they were, I think. And uh, I said, is there somewhere in the Bible that you've got to go to seminary to be a pastor? No, there's not. Uh, but we're living in a day and hour where I, I'll never forget when I got called to preach. And uh, I, I, I left Walmart. I worked at Walmart for several years. And I left there and there was a manager there. My mom may or may not remember him. Uh, but there was a manager there. And they said, oh, I heard the good news, Josh. I heard that you've, uh, I heard that you've walked into a new profession. I said, well, what's that? He said, you know, the preacher thing. I, I heard you, you've chosen a new career. I said, that's not at all what I've done. I didn't choose this, friend. And a real man of God didn't choose it either. But thank God, somewhere down the line, on January the 13th, God chose me to be a real man of God. I don't apologize for that. And so we, we find there's a responsibility to the man of God. Verse 1 and 2, look with me. 1 Timothy 6, look at verse 1 and 2. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. This will make a bunch of deacons roll over and die. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Paul's looking at Timothy. He said, all right, Timothy, I want you to understand something. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God, not for your sake, Timothy, not so you can get a picture out sign everybody's Bible or get your face put on the front page of the newspaper it's not about the exaltation of the man of God but it's rather because it's the doctrine of God for the people in having a responsibility to the man of God it is here where we find the duty of the servants concerning the man of God the apostle Paul has spoken before of church relation and now here again he gets into it in verse number one servants are told uh, listen to this now to be under the yoke can I say this evening you've got a responsibility to the man of God uh, to God number one uh, but to the man of God to get up under the yoke uh, I mean I'm listen friend there's so many preachers uh, that I know and it ain't all small churches man I know preachers that's got what I would consider large churches and they feel like I do sometimes and they feel like like so and so it's only got five members they've got 250 but yet they're having to carry all the load they're having to do everything that's not your responsibility uh, did you know a congregation don't just sit back and watch the preacher do everything I'm not saying I do but listen I won't either friend I stand up and say I need some help praise God I need somebody to get under the yoke and uh, work and labor and help that's, uh, that's what Paul's telling Timothy there's responsibility in verse 1 servants are
are told be under the yoke. Uh, to be under the yoke, it defines two things. Number one, it shows the church uh, in the area they are willing uh, uh, to be obedient in the area of submission. Uh, they're willing to submit to the load uh, that God has placed on the church uh, and the vision that the pastor has. Have you ever seen the beating all your life? I've got friends uh, that God's given them a vision of labor and uh, we're going to build a we're going to build a wing on and um, we're going to have a Christian school and I've seen it blow all to hell and back because that ain't something they want to do listen to me you may not like this but either you're going to want the truth or not it don't matter what the Lord says God really says something to the pastor it's the responsibility of the church to get under the yoke and help carry the load whatever that load is and submit to their man of God you know it's sad but it's true brother Troy my preacher told me he said brother Josh I'm just going to tell you any time that you go doing something with remodel or building or anything like that he said trouble always comes in the church he said I don't care how big how small how spiritual how not spiritual trouble is always it's always followed a move like that when it comes to facilities and different things and adding this or stopping that or he said trouble always follows that you don't know why because there's a handful that's just not willing to get under the yoke Amen. and submit to what the man of God said God said to do. That's right. I've never understood these people who are content. I'm thankful tonight, Brother Chris. I mean, we've still got 10 or so out. I'm thankful that if everybody was here tonight, we've got a decent crowd. I mean, for a, for a, for a old-time Bible-believing church, I mean, honestly, we're doing pretty good. My, my pastor's been at his church I, I a long time, man, a long time. And we run as many, probably more now, I'd say more now than he does. And he's been faithful to stand in his post. He had over 250 when he started. And it ain't took him but 15 or 20 years he's down now to 40 or 50 like we are and, uh, and, and and many people will look at that and say oh what a great failure and, uh, what, 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 what in the world successful about that but listen to me I'm here to tell you uh, that we've got what God's done here is a miracle it's a blessing but it will not continue on its own we must labor together and carry the yoke the responsibility to the man of God number one we see it defines submission. But then number two, we see it defines what labor is. You know, God did not save you and place you in a local church for you to come three times a week and hear preaching and go home. Did you know that? God didn't just save you to put you on a church pew. I say this all the time and it's a, it's a, good, it's a good illustration. I've never been one to like to sit on the bench. I've never, I mean, I, I look, you can look at me and tell I ain't built for star athletics, but I wanted to be one. Amen. I mean, listen, growing up, I, I wanted to be the best. And for many years of my childhood, man, I succeeded because I, I was this tall in sixth grade. I was a jolly green giant, man. I was, I was a big boy in sixth grade. They said, my God, Josh, he got a son, he's going to play for the. You know, the Kentucky Wildcats wanted it. And I thought I would too until I never grew no more. <laughs> but I never was one that wanted to sit over here, Brother Chris, while everybody else was in the game. Are you listening? I wanted to be in on the action. If we was playing football, I wanted to crush somebody's teeth out. If we was playing basketball, I wanted to dunk at five foot two. 
280 pounds. I mean, I, I never did want to sit back and let everybody else earn the reward. But somehow or another, our churches have reached the place where the church now is literally content. Well, you know, they'll handle it. I've heard this statement even in our church. Well, you know, we're not really, we, 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 we don't have a job or we're not important. Look up in here, friend. I ain't a single one of you that ain't got a job for God to do. But may I say you may not get a title. Now listen, by the way, with a title comes great responsibility. Uh, my friend, and just because uh, you ain't given a title don't mean you ain't got a, t- a job. We've all got something to do. Hey, there's not a preacher, Brother Chris. You're not useless. You're not just here for no reason. I need you, man. I mean, I really do. Our church needs you. The other night when we had that service, I mean, ain't nobody else in the whole building could have sat over there and played for an hour, but you did. Thank God, man. I mean, listen, we've got something that we can bring forth and get under the yoke and labor for the for the cause of Christ and with the man of God. Right. You might not be good at much or nothing. So I ain't talented. I can't sing. I can't play. Can you cook? Huh? Can you clean? Can you sling a weed eater? I mean, can you pick up trash out of the floor? I mean, all that's important. Listen, you'll never understand. I never understood until my dang what I am. I never understood how pastors would obsess their, they would obsess themselves with the, with the, with the church and the care of the church. And I mean, friend, I can't walk in here. My eyes, I'm like, I got robotic guys. They're looking. I'm looking for, see, I should step all over. I'm looking and I'll pick that up and I'll try to, and I'm trying to do all this because I want it. It's in my heart. I want it to be not just good for y'all. And I do, but if there's anybody walk in, I want them to know that we take pride in this place and we care about the house of God. Listen, you want to help your preacher or help Labor, you pick up the crumbs. Man. The thing I have to do. Right. Are you listening? That's just an example. Right. Are you listening? I mean, them kids got to get picked up on the bus. By the grace of God, I'm gonna go every Sunday morning. I'm gonna get them. They want to come, but listen, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit if somebody said, "You know what, preacher? I believe. I, I believe that God may. I, I mean, I ain't for sure, but I believe God might just let me help you out on that. I'm not complaining. I, I promise you." towards heaven. I'm not complaining. But something, there's something for everybody to do. You've got to get under the yoke. You've got to get in the work. Don't sit back and watch everybody else get in on partake of the benefit and the rewards one day. Can you imagine if we all, Brother Chris, everybody in here got busy doing something for the church? What would God do here? Huh? What would God do here? You say, I've got a desire. I would love to be a teacher. I would love to work with the children. Well, won't you start praying and seeing what God might do, what He would want to do? Come to me, let me know that you've got a burden, and I'll start praying. And we'll see what God would do and what God wants to do. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Somehow or another, somewhere down the line, uh, church members started thinking that the pastors can read minds. I can't read your mind. Right. I've said this before. If you want to sing, you know, even though you think I know, I don't know that. Right. You want to sing in church? I'm not going to tell you no. I want you to help. Man. Come on, somebody. I mean, I want you to help. I mean, Brother Dave. Look at Brother Dave, for example. I mean, listen. 
It may seem insignificant to a lot of people, but I don't want to appreciate it. He brings in cookies and donuts and all that stuff from over yonder. You know what I told them babies when we picked them up this morning? They said, already, as soon as they got on the bus, talked about being hungry. And they said, if there's going to be any food at church, I said, you better mark her down. And I was comforted in that. Not because I went and got it. Not because I'd spent any money. Not because I'd taken time to go get it. But I just knew, if I can't count on Brother Dave for nothing, I can count on him for that. That's something he's done ever since he's been coming here. And the Lord's put it on his heart, man. It's a blessing to me. It's a blessing to God. And I seen him this morning. I said, I'm glad that you he rode his motorcycle. I told Amy, I said, this is going to be the one Sunday that he didn't bring. So I've done told these kids uh, that the whole uh, the whole bakery is going to be over here. And he's on his motorcycle. And I didn't see no bags. I thought, Lord, God, heaven. I might have to go to the law store and buy honey buns. And, and, and the first thing I asked him when I got out of the day, did, did, did you get any donuts? You know, holy how, you know, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't, you know. I said, thank God, because I done told these kids you're going to feed them. Hey, are you following me? Yeah. You know what that is? It's helping carry the load, man. Just, just something small. It's the right thing to do. It is, yeah. It's the right thing to do. Get under the load. Get under the yoke. Do something for the cause of Christ. Man. That's a part of this church lit. Dave's getting old and he's going to die at some point. I mean, uh, hello, that's just the truth. What happens when Brother Dave crosses over? Somebody else is going to have to start getting honey buns. And bringing donuts. Are you listening? Come on, somebody help me. Don't take a nap on me tonight. Some of y'all's mad that I said he's going to die. He's going to die. Why are you so mad about that? And be disrespectful. I might die before he does. We're all going to die if the Lord don't come get us. I can see it when I knock the breath out of people. <gasps> come on, people. Servants are to be under the yoke, responsibility towards the man of God for obviously the cause of Christ for the Lord. As servants, we are yoked together tonight in Christ and with Christ to work, to not be idle, slothful, or skeptical, or to procrastinate. Listen to me. Procrastination is our worst enemy here. Amen. It is, man. Amen. Just go ahead and say amen. Even in our planning, we procrastinate. Even in our planning, we'll get an idea, but then we'll push that off because we've got another idea, so we'll come back to that later and we'll never get back to it until it's time for that idea to be something we need to be doing. Help me, somebody. Now listen, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I can't think of everything I need to do in the day, let alone everything we need to do in the day. Or everything we need to do in vacation. I can't think of all that. I really can't. I ain't giving an excuse. I can't. I can't keep up with it. We've got to work together on that stuff. And we, we did a little better this year. We did. But there comes a point, Deacon, there comes a point where we've got to say, all right, this is the most important thing. It may not be important to anybody else, but I'm going to make sure come Monday night that my preacher ain't stressed out about games. Come on, don't go to bed on me. If you ain't prayer time, look up in here. I'm serious. Brother, Brother Chris, we talked about it. That's part of being under the yoke, man. That's a ministry of our church. We, and see, it, it don't stress you out because your name ain't on the side. 
It don't bother you because it ain't all these little kids. And I feel responsible even when it wasn't on my place. I took thought for it. I, I'm sorry, Keith. You do. Here, y'all play thumb wars for the first hour of vacation Bible school. They can't do that. Can't do it. Am I telling it? Come on, somebody. Well, y'all aren't going to amen me, are you? Brother Dax, am I telling them right or not? You mad? No. But I'm pastor. That's right. When I go down the road somewhere and they call me to come preach, I'm the evangelist there. I'm the pastor here. Amen. Amen. Oh, yes. I'm the pastor here. And right. it's my obligation to make sure that when God puts a burden on our church to reach out in this community for vacation, I'm thankful for all the good that happened. But listen, fact is, it could be better. Amen. And it's our fault. I said our. I said our. Don't get mad at me. I said our. It's our fault that wasn't. What is that? Well, we forget the responsibility we have. You know, church, church people that go to church, they just forget, brother Chris. This ain't just something we do. This is, this is. Listen, this is our, this is our headquarters, man. This is our, this is our home base. We're soldiers. This is, this is where our tents are pitched. This is where our armor's added. This is where our food and our shelter. This is our training. This is our boot camp. This is our, this is our preparation for battle. And we've got to take time while we're here to prepare for what we're going to do out there. It's a serious business. Next thing we got coming up major probably is what? The Christmas play? Is that the next major thing probably? Well, we, that's right. We got the back to school youth rally. We got to get ready for that. But then the next, next major Thing I think that we push for. Well, I don't know because we got we got trunk or treat. We, let's thank God we're busy, man. Right. There's something every month, and I told y'all God did that a while back. Maybe to teach us this kind of thing and get us ready. We want our church to grow. We've got to be prepared for growth. Oh, yeah. there's more kids. We can't deal with the ones we got. We've got to be more prepared. Amen. Told Amy the other day, talking about something in the house, and house, we, you know, everybody in South probably was a, looked like a bomb went off in the vacation Bible school. Ain't nobody had time to clean or nothing else. I mean, Lord have mercy, I took three showers a day. That's the God's honest truth. I had to. It's harder to match out there, people. I'd get up in the morning because I'd sweat in my sleep. I'd soak wet. I'd have to take a shower in the morning. Then I'd go back and run around like a chicken with head cut off trying to get food, this, that, the other. And time I did all that and got here, I was drenched again. Had to go home, take another shower before vacation Bible school, hop in here, go get in the hot box out there. Hey man, it's like sitting in a cigarette match box out there. And get in that van and drive down. And time I got back, I soaked again. When I got home, I had to take no shower. And then when I woke up next morning, I soaked again. I had to take, I mean, three days, all week. So if you don't have time to clean your house, I'd dry out and say. So I told her, I was looking at some more, man. We got to do something this place looks like. Bombs went off. She said, I know I'll get to it. And she will. I ain't down. She does good. She's a good wife. She does really good. She can feed me a little bit more, but But she made this comment. She said, I just I, 
I just so aggravated that Regina made over and makes me want to borrow. <laughs> it is. And I told her, I said, you act just like you said to mother, quit. She said, if I had a house, you know, I've heard it out of my own ears by this way. You know, if I had an actual life, if I had an actual house up the line, nice, I would take care of it. That ain't what it works. No, sir. I said, honey, I think you want to take care of the one God's give us? Amen. He probably ain't going to give us another one that's bigger and better and got more storage. I'm using that as an example to come back to the church until we can take care and appreciate what we got. No, we got the nicest band. We sure know. I'm glad I had something to get them little babies and tell them about the Lord Jesus. We don't have the nicest church. We don't have the nicest facilities. We don't have the largest bank account. But glory be to God, we got a lot more than we used to have. I'm glad, thank God for what he has given. And we must do with what God's given. We must do our very best with it. No, we, no, we can't do this fancy stuff that BBS that some churches can do. But what we did, we got to do our best at. We've got to do our best at. Our games need to be to the top of our ability. Amen. But Christian, poor failure. Got stressed out on me. Just be honest, how many of y'all, who else got stressed out on me? Just raise your hand and quit lying. All right, thank you. Stress some of y'all out. You don't know why? I try not to be mean or rude, I really do. I don't want to be. That's not right. I don't want to be. But you don't know why I get to the point where I'm about to freak out on somebody. I've got all that pressure of that yoke, the burden God's put on me for this church. I can't explain it. But when I look at them little children, are they evaluating all these things I'm evaluating? No. But I am because it's the vision God's given me. And all that's pushed out on me, you know the best thing you can do when you see I'm, I'm back to freak, blown out? Come on, get on the yoke with me. Say, listen, I'll take care of that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I'm going to help you. That's, that's your responsibility to me. And it's my responsibility to you. We labor together. He said, get under the yoke. It's submission. Number two, it's labor. Then we see this. I want to move on if I can. Uh, I want to move on if I can. All these preachers of today, <laughs> I know a bunch of people that want a title, but very few are willing to pay the price. Amen. Let me tell you something, friend. If I've learned one thing, its titles can absolutely destroy men. Oh, yes. I've given them to the wrong people and I've given them to the right people. I've learned. Now, you listen. Well, let me ask you something. If you went to, if you went to work and got a promotion and they made you the manager, can you keep doing what you was doing as a regular employee? Can you do the bare minimum as a manager? Come up, come on up in here. Come on up in here and listen to me. If you're the manager, you're in a leadership role, can you show up to work 15, 20, 30 minutes late and it be all right? How we treat the house of God, leaders? Come on, they can help me right there. Come on. It ain't no big deal, brother Josh. He ain't said nothing in a long time. He used to rip our face off, but he ain't done that. So we can just ease on in and out and do. That ain't how it works, friend. I may not say it, 
you better know we're going to answer to God one day. That's right. exactly right. We have to be serious when it comes to roles of leadership. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking when I was, when I was I'm still young, but when I was young, young preacher, I remember thinking how awesome would it be to be a, you know, evangelist or pastor or whatever. Oh, Lord. See, all you see a lot of is all you see is here, and it's not look too bad. I mean, get up and haul around for two hours, and, you know. No, no, no. See, that ain't how it works. Is that a good deal? I ain't going to get into all that. But it ain't how it works. Right. It ain't how it works for you either. Right. If you're in the church and you're not under some sort of pressure, you're not working hard enough for the church. Listen to me. I didn't say pressure like me. But if you don't feel some sort of pressure, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Brother Forrest changed my life, my ordination. Changed my whole life on that verse. Matthew. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are. That's a continuation. Heavy laden. In other words, the only people that are going to be heavy laden are the people that's laboring. And so if you ain't heavy laden today, it's probably because. You're not laboring for the Lord. If you're careless, come and go as you please. You got your shoes kicked off and you're drinking sweet tea in the name of Jesus. Something's wrong with your service to the Lord. It's time to get under the yoke. Get under the yoke. Titles, they don't mean nothing if people that have those titles don't fulfill them those titles. And by the way, if there's somebody here that gets a title, you better know it's because God the Holy Ghost has worked in my heart to give it out. I don't do it lightly. I've done about destroyed things I don't know how many times. I don't do it lightly. It's because they've proven themselves. They've proven themselves. Are you listening? Well, don't go to bed on me. Don't go to bed on me. We need men of God. Titles, pastor, assistant pastor, youth pastor, bus pastor, outreach pastor. I mean, they've got a pastor for everything coming and going nowadays, friend. They do. I mean, they've got pastors for everything. they got pastors for pastors in these churches. they got a pastor for everything. But may I say whatever kind of other pastors are out there, those titles literally mean absolutely nothing if he's not a man of God. And by the way, listen right here, men. I know we ain't got all of our men here, but those who are here, you don't have to be a pastor or a preacher to be a man of God. Amen. I'm telling you the truth, you don't. Some of the greatest men of God that's ever lived was faithful handymen in the church. And faithful treasures and faithful deacons and faithful what have you. They were, they were real God-fearing men of God that never preached a sermon. But they were men of God. Now there's a difference in being men of God and God's man, God having a man. For that job, for that purpose of preaching, there's a, there's a difference there. But you can be a man of God. You know what we need in 2021? We need some men of God, man. Are you listening? Oh, he's talking to all the older, older boys, all the older folk. No, I'm not. Timothy's a young gun. But Paul looks at him and says, Oh, thou man of God, flee these things. i got to move on. Members of the church, you have an obligation to God and the man of God to labor. Get under the yoke. Verse 1. Read it again. Let as many servants as are under the yoke 
count their own masters worthy of all honor. You want to know the best way to honor your preacher? I'm glad you take you take care of me. You give me gifts. You celebrate. We celebrated last Sunday our wedding anniversary. I'm for all that. I think you should do it. I do. But you know the best way to honor the preacher? Get under the yoke and labor with him. I love cards and money and gifts and candy and food, a lot of food. Chocolate, lots of that. I love all that. Cakes, cupcakes. Praise God, I'm getting hungry. I love all that. But you know, none of that really amounts to anything if you're just sitting by and doing nothing. You know, I want to honor you, Brother Josh. Here's your $100. I appreciate that. I can always use it. How many of y'all say amen right there? I never had a hundred dollars to spare. I can always use a hundred dollars. Thank you. But listen to me. You really want to honor me? Just put that hundred dollars back in your billfold. Right. It's all right, preacher. This week, what needs done? Yeah. Or maybe you don't even ask. You just see something needs done. Just go do it. Yeah. What happened to them days? One of them days where they seen a need, didn't even talk to nobody, just went and done it. They didn't need recognition, they didn't need a pat on the back, they didn't need their name put in the newsletter. I mean, just seen a need and went and done what the next. Getting under the yoke. Amen. It's your responsibility. To the pastor, help him. It's your responsibility. All right? That's number one. Y'all okay? We didn't sing no songs. I got extra time tonight. <laughs> When your name goes on the membership roll, that isn't just so the church can climb in numbers. Right. If you're a member, we ought to be climbing and proving in labor. Man. Oh, yes. Get busy. Get plugged in. Carry the load. Work the field. Plow the ground. Reach the law. Support the church. Oh, yes. Secondly, moving on. I ain't going to say all this. I'm just moving on. I was going to get into the works. We're going to give an account for our works. I had scriptures. We're going to talk about all that. Not just what you do, but how you do what you do. For sake of time, I'm not going to preach that. Maybe another day. Secondly, not only do we see the responsibility to the man of God, secondly, we see the rebellion towards the man of God. There's rebellion in our text. Rebellion is the sin of what? Wicked man. Rebellion's a wicked, wicked thing. Look with me in verse 3. He said, if any man teach otherwise, otherwise what I've just taught, I'm just preaching what Paul's just taught on. He said, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words excuse me, of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil submissions and uh, surmisings, uh, perverse disputings of men, corrupt minds, destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. Not only see the responsibility to the man of God, secondly see the rebellion towards the man of God. It is here Paul warns Timothy to withdraw from those who have corrupted the doctrine of Christ. Not the doctrine of Paul. Not the doctrine of Stillwater Baptist Church. Not the doctrine of Pastor uh, Josh Gritton. No, no, no. This is the doctrine of God. You want a good, sound, solid, successful, thriving, spirit-filled church? We've got to do it God's way. And there's no other way but His way. It's here that Paul gives warning. 
Verse 3 through 5, he says, If any man teach otherwise, or in other words, if any man teach, preach, promote, or spread anything contrary to the doctrine that God has set forth in servants to their masters, he said, not only should you beware of them, he said this, verse 3, or verse, uh, where's that at? Verse 5, he says, from such withdraw thyself. Now, may I say if any man will not consent to wholesome words. What is wholesome words? The words of Christ. It's what we just read. Are y'all still here? Y'all still with me? Wholesome words, the words of Christ. These words have a direct tendency to heal the soul. If he will not consent to the words of Christ, uh, the man of God has no choice but to withdraw himself from that form and source of rebellion. May I say we are not required to consent to any other words of wholesome words other than the words of the Lord Jesus and His Word. We must give our unfeigned attention and consent for His words will lead us to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Let me say this. If you'll do right by God, you'll always live in godliness. How many of y'all would raise your hand tonight and say, Preacher, I, really, if I could, I really love, I'd like to live a godly life. Anybody? Does anybody want a godly life? What do you got to do? The things of God. You want, to do, you want to have a godly life? You're going to have to be sound in the church somewhere. Help somebody. I mean, listen, I'm talking about you. It's the will of God. Everything God does in this dispensation is through and by and under the authority of the local church. Amen. You can, listen, I've had all this stuff. Me and God got our own thing going. You ain't going to show me that in the scriptures. You've got to work in a local church. To be right with God in this dispensation. You just do. Amen. That's Bible. Help me somebody. Don't go to bed on me. I'm trying to help you tonight. We've got to have the local church. Amen. And you can't rebel against the doctrine of the word of God within that local church. Right. The rebellion towards the man of God. Now, uh, I want to say this. The word of God it has, a, it has a real probable tendency to make people godly. Y'all have heard that old song. Uh, uh, the, the Bible says, or the song says that uh, that the, this book will keep you, or sin will keep you from this book, and this book will keep you from sin. That's exactly right. It's through the washing of the water by the word. Listen, you can't live a sinly, a sinful life and be faithful to obey that book. You can't. They don't. They don't work that way. If you'll fill yourself full of the Holy Scriptures and do what the Bible said and serve Him faithfully in the local church and support the work of God and the man of God and at the cause of God if you'll plug in and root down buckle up put your bootstraps on put your sword under your arm take unto yourself the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith the sword of the spirit and your feet prepared and shod with the preparation of the gospels and your loins girt about with the truth and stand up and salute your master and report for duty day in and day out you can have a godly life so that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. For those that will not consent to the doctrine, the Word of God, you know what we find out about Him? Let me tell you something. Listen to me right here. There's somebody in everybody's family work, something, that you're going to say something about this message this morning tonight. You know what they're going to have something to say? 
They're going to have another opinion or their thoughts or, well, this is just how I think things should be. Let me tell you what those kind of people are. They're prideful people. How do you, how do you figure? Look with me, verse 4. Verse 4. I know we ain't shouting tonight, but if you'll get this down deep in your soul, we'll have plenty of shouting days. You know what the Bible said in verse 3? It said, if any man teach otherwise, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our... And if they don't consent to the words of Christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness. That's what we've been dealing with. The doctrine uh, uh, according to godliness is servants to their masters, masters to the servants, the order of the church. He says this, if he won't consent to them, verse 4, he is what? Well, how, why do you think he's proud? Because the Lord said he was. He is proud knowing what? How many of y'all know that know-it-alls know nothing? Amen. I, I, I thought I'd get a better response out of you than that. How many of y'all know that know-it-alls know nothing? Amen. I mean, never know-it-all I've ever encountered. I'm thinking, my God in heaven, do you even... They know nothing. They're proud knowing Nothing. But doting about questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, uh, evil surmisings, and perverse disputings of men, corrupt minds, and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdrawal thyself. Talking about the rebellion towards the man of God. Now, it is always those who are proud who know the least. In fact, those who know everything know nothing. They don't even know themselves. Let me tell you something about a proud man. He knows so much, he don't even know his own condition. You know, a proud man don't even know his own spiritual condition. He don't know his own spiritual position. He's too proud to hear and learn and heed. He's, He's too proud to say, Lord, it's me that stands in need. He don't know. He's so, he knows so much, but he don't even know his own self. You got to watch these people. They'll cause you to rebel. They sow discord, mischief in the church. You know what they do? They open the door for envy and strife and railing. May I say, when men are not content with the Word of God and the doctrine of godliness, listen, stay with me. Concerning the man of God in relation to the order of the church, but instead they frame notions of their own ideas and then try to impose them. All they're doing is sowing spiritual seeds of discord and all kinds of mischief in the church. And then here come the perverse disputings. You know why? Most, most churches have big blow ups. It started with somebody who had a problem with pride. They knew better than the preacher, they knew better than the scriptures. They knew more than the Word of God, they knew more than the Spirit of God. And so they start opening their mouth. And guess what follows? Look with me. I don't want you to take my word. Look with me in verse 4. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions, strives of words. Look here. Whereof cometh? What comes after a, a prideful man? Envy. I could preach right there, friends. Envy. Right. You know what? I can always sense a man or a woman has an issue of pride. They have, this, they have troubles with these things. Envy. Come on, somebody. Well, he didn't ask me to. Well, she didn't give me credit for. Well, he could have, you know, mentioned my name. Well, I can't believe that old so and so's getting to do this, and over here I am. I ain't getting to do nothing. What's the problem? 
Pride. Yes, sir. Pride. 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 You need some help, Pride. Pride. Are you listening? Feel like y'all took a nap on y'all leaving. Pride. Brings forth envy. Look here. Then it brings strife. Apparently, a possibility of a hot flash. <laughs> Bless your heart, Lord. Pride, envy, strife, mischief. I'm going to move on. I got a bunch of verses about pride, but I ain't going to preach on a bunch of them. Thirdly, we not only see those, we not only see the uh, the uh, responsibility to the man of God, the rebellion against the man of God, but then we see the ruin of a man of God. You realize that there's a ruin to a man of God here. Paul lists to Timothy. In other words, he's telling him, be careful. Now listen to me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong. It's actually God tells us, tells the church, you ought to take care of the pastor. You ought to help him in finances. You ought to help him in carnal things. He said he sows to us spiritual. Is it a, is it a crime for him to reap carnal? We just read where he's a partaker of the benefit. Verse number two. I mean, all that's scriptural. But Paul knows Timothy is a man just as he. And he says, you better be careful even when they're doing the right thing. You can turn it into the wrong thing there's preachers who have twisted their church what God is doing for them through the church and the church should be helping them should be a blessing to them I believe that I stand on that this Bible this Bible teaches I believe all that but when it becomes more about the paycheck help me somebody than it does being the pastor the preacher a real man of God and deal with sin and it becomes an issue and they start falling in love with the money Oh, I've got friends that's went down that route, son. Church started off small, being just as good a blessing as they could. Then one or two came and hit like this, so they noticed if they'd stop or ease up, that they'd stay around. So, of course, the more people stay around, the higher the offerings go, the higher the offerings go. Uh, the more church money the church has got, the more money the church has got, the more the church gives the pastor now. They're full blown contemporary, sold out. I mean, talk, I'm talking about way out left field somewhere. They started just like me. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. It's the same thing that Paul's telling Timothy. He's warning Timothy about. Look with me. Look with me. Verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Content. You know, Brother Dykes was talking about that home ordeal. We was mentioning about having a, a small cluttered up, you know, we ain't got no room in our home. And, and they was talking about him and Sister Man. They, they had the same, they went through the same thing with their family. And he said, I'll be honest with you, I was content with it, but she wasn't. And it took us forever before God opened the door. Three years. Hey, it is what it is, man. I mean, I'm glad I got somewhere to sleep tonight. Amen. God, see, listen to me. That's the way the Lord wants us to be. You got a big, nice house. I ain't mad at you. I'm going to try to get me one. Amen. Amen. I mean that. I ain't a bit upset. I ain't envious. I ain't jet. Thank God. I'm glad you do. If you ever want to give it to me, 
Amen. Amen. That's what I'm praying for at this point. God do something crazy. He can. He can. Listen to me. It can't become, especially in the life of preachers, it can't become more about the material benefit than it is the ministry. Ministry benefit. Are you listening to me? We've got to understand. Paul tells Timothy, he said, be content there with what you got. Look at verse number 8. Verse 8. He said, having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Look, for the love of money, not money, the love of money, not money, the love of money. Amen. Help me somebody. Not money, the love of money. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while, uh, excuse me, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What's he telling verse 11? But thou, O man of God, the young man Timothy, thou, O man of God, flee these things. There's a ruin out there. This, there's many, but this is the one listed. There are many ways for a man of God to ruin himself. But the one that's listed here is the love of money. The love of money. May I say it is here, Paul takes time to show the excellency of contentment and the evil of covetousness. Are you listening? This applies to all Christians. If you're living in covetousness and not contentment, you are setting yourself up for great failure. Is anybody going to amen me tonight? You're setting yourself up for great failure. You're setting yourself up for great disappointment. You are setting yourself up for always being a step behind somebody. You realize if somebody today come and cut you a check, cashed it in, and gave you $3.9 billion, within two minutes you, you know about the one that had $3.95 billion. That's how it works. How many of y'all know you can go buy the best, fastest, brand newest, nicest, Vehicle that's ever rolled on the lot, and before you can put it on the, before you can put the first mile on it, she's dropped ten grand. Why is that? Because all these earthly things are carnal, and that's all they do. Down, 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 down. You know what Paul's reminded Timothy of? You can't fall in love with preaching, Timothy. Right. <laughs> Listen to me. If, if preaching becomes more about a paycheck than it does people, you're going down. You're going to fall into a snare. You're going to fall into temptation. You're going to fall into lust. You're going to fall into uh, covetousness. And it's a whirlwind of sin once you fall. The ruin of the man of God. Can I tell you, a man of God being a man of God is not a trade. Amen. It ain't a trade. (laughs) Oh my. So it's not a profession. It's not. Yes, the Lord has taken care of me and my family and and provided through means of the church and all these years up to recently. I've had to work alongside that and ain't nothing wrong with that. But thank God that right now I can focus. It might change next month. But for right now I can focus on being the man of God. Thank God for that, man. And as long as I keep my focus on that, I'll be all right. But these men who start focusing on the profession instead of the position, 
They're setting themselves up for ruin. For a little which a righteous man has is better than the richest. Psalms 37, 16. May I say a life lived in godliness is in itself great gain. How many of y'all would just be honest and please be honest. If it were available for you to have great gain in your life, how many of y'all would want that? I do. I mean, I do. Okay? Alright, will you look with me? You still got your Bibles open? Raise your hands again. You want great gain. I want great gain in my life. Some of y'all don't. Amen. You're more, you're more humble than the rest of us. Look at verse 6. Godliness with contentment. I ain't got it. I'll never, I'll never scratch the surface of having the money of Donald J. Trump. I'll never scratch the surface of having the homes of Bill Gates and the movie stars of Hollywood. I'll I'll never scratch the surface of having the fame and the followers and the fortune of those who are 